Welcome back, everybody. It's Ty's Daily Commute Video Game Podcast, and it's, um, let's see, it's, uh, July, uh, 13th? Yes, July 13th, 2017. It's been a long time since I've done a podcast. Um, I'm just gonna talk a little bit here, and, uh, maybe you won't be completely bored. Um, so, where am I at? So, <clears throat> really have not done a whole heck of a lot with the Basement Arcade, um, I mean, I've been working on my, uh, Mr. Do kind of on and off. Um, you know, I've got it pretty much all together. I just need some locks on the, uh, coin doors. Um, the monitor still has got a little jump in the video that's driving me crazy. And I don't know if it's the monitor or if it's the, um, the game that's actually doing it. And I tried using, uh, Crafty Mech's, uh, test pattern generator to send a separate signal to the monitor, but I could not get it to sync up, so I really couldn't test that very well. Um, I, suspe- I suspect that one of the problem could be one of three things. One, it's the um, the video feed from Mr. Do is um, just not compatible with the 4600. Um, I put a Wells Gardner 4600 inside that cabinet because the original uh, Tote monitor? I can't remember which one it is. But the original monitor that was in that cabinet um, wasn't working, and I can rebuild it, but I just haven't gotten to that. And I kind of have a feeling that it's, even if I rebuild the monitor with new caps, it's not going to work. It's a flyback that's bad. Um, or something else, a horizontal output transistor or the um, voltage regulator. could be one of those things. Um, so, I mean, at some point, maybe I will rebuild that and put it in. Um, but I would like to figure out why... That 4600 basically the image will shrink for like uh, a tenth of a second and then go back to normal size. Um, so, like I said, the the first option reason why it might be is just the video signal just doesn't work very well with the 4600. Um, my second thought would be that it's um, power related because the the cabinet itself um, the is a Japanese cabinet, and so that, therefore, the um, isolation transformer um, actually outputs 100 volts um, AC versus 110 or 120 volts AC, like an American, um, you know, monitor would use. So it's just like a Nintendo cabinet. You could put a, I know you can put a K7000 inside of, and run it off 100 volts AC. At least that's what when I was talking to Buffett about that, he said you could do. Um, but this K4600 might just be really sensitive to being on 100, 100 volts, and when there's just a slight bit of power drop in my house, it's gonna drop in power, and that might cause the picture to shrink, so I'm uh, getting power surges, basically. Um, so that might be why it's happening, um, because basically it's running on, you know, really 18 volts less AC than what it's, rated to be running off of. Um, so that could be the reason why it's doing it. And the, the last reason is just that there's some issue with the monitor itself. Um, that's why I was trying to use the test pattern generator to hook it up. Um, but it's just not working out so great. So I might just back up another game to the Mr. Do and run the video signal from that game into it to see if it's the same issue happens and then I'll know, okay, well, it's either the monitor or the voltage. And then from there I can, you know, try running the monitor off of a separate isolation transformer. I've got, I've got a hundred, you know, 120, 118, 110, whatever you want to 
that's the thing that bothers me. I don't know if you guys are bothered by that, but it it really bothers me that um, you know if you go to an outlet in the United States, people call it 110, but it's really 118 volts if you put a meter on it. I mean, it fluctuates. You go down to 117, up to 120. So some people call it 110. Some people call it 120 volts AC. It just it kind of goes up and down on that. So you know, it's it's a little bit annoying, but. Um, Know, whatever I can't do anything about that but it is whenever I try to mention it or reference it I feel funny saying it's 110 volts because it's not it's closer to 120 volts so um, so that's I guess you know I guess I'll call it 120 but then people are like well it's 110 but it's not it's 120 118 um, so that's what I've been working on mr. do um, you know the only I mean I actually took a the Control panel I uh, completely redid um, based off of three control panels to get something that's workable. Um, I still need to get a ball top for the joystick that's better for it because right now the one on there is pink and it's the wrong size too. Um, the shaft on the joystick is actually shorter than some of the universal sticks I see. I don't know what the right length is for Mr. Do, but um, it just basically comes in a shorter length, I guess. I, I don't know what the cabinet is for, but it fits, it fits it perfectly, and that joystick was actually on a Mr. Do to begin with, so, um, I mean, that's the, the control panel I got off was a Mr. Do control panel, and it is a universal joystick. It just has a short shaft. Um, one of the things I do want to say about that um, joystick is it's actually really a good design. Um, it's got like a basically like a ball ball joint at the bottom, um, and then the joystick goes through that ball joint, and it's you know lubed up and stuff, and it moves around really nicely. And then there's two C clips about halfway up the stick, um, where you a large washer is held between them, and that actually activates um, four leaf switches that are in the inside the joystick. Um, it's just it's a very reliable design. I mean, the only issue that you're going to have with them is they get rusty. And um, I took this one, I completely cleaned it up and um, painted it and put it back together again and it's working great. I mean, it's got the original leaf switches in it. I, I didn't actually replace a single part on that joystick. I just cleaned it. Cleaned it, painted it, and looped it. Um, I mean, there's no ball top, so it does have a different ball top. I have a this pink one off of a looks like a Samitsu joystick of some sort. It's a, uh, I see it was a 5M or an 8M. I can't remember. I mean, I have it, I have it written down somewhere. But the, the thread on that is different than a standard joystick thread. Um, well, not standard, but if you bought, like, a, say, a, a Sanwan, a Sanwa ball top, like another Japanese-style um, ball top, um, those are, I think, those are five, and I think that the one on Mr. Do or Universal is 8M. Um, so I'd have to drill and tap it out, put a different thread in it, which isn't a big deal. So I just need a guy, I need to buy a ball top. Um, and that will look good. Um, the, the control panel itself, um, it was really interesting to me is as I was taking it apart and I got these other, these two other control panels from other people, that there's variances in how it's put together. Know, Mr. Do literally was built a couple different ways. Um, like the biggest difference that's very visual is the fact that the first run of the uh, control panels have um, red leaf buttons in them that um, 
fit in these smaller holes. They don't have any bezel around them. The, the control panel overlay, which is a piece of plexi, um, goes right up against the, uh, the buttons. Um, I, there's like a very fine bezel, but it doesn't really, I wouldn't count it as a bezel. And then the one that came in my game, which was hacked all up, has what looks just like a uh, Sanwa orange uh, standard arcade button in it. It's a little different, I guess, but basically it's a micro switch um, button. And I got those working perfectly. Um, I cleaned them up, put them back in. But the, uh, the control panel overlay was actually for the red button style, so I had to router out the holes to make them larger for the larger buttons. So that was kind of a fun thing to do. And by fun, I mean it was kind of a nerve-wracking thing to do because, you know, it was the only overlay I had that was mostly intact. Um, this overlay has got a couple holes drilled on the top where an operator had put extra screw, screws in the control panel to hold it down. But now I have it on a different control panel. So basically the holes are only in the, the plexi, not in the control panel. Um, so I'm hoping that Rich of uh, this old game will reproduce that the, those parts so I can just um, get a new one, put it on, uh, a nice repo one. My marquee is a complete wreck. Um, it's cracked and it's broken. It's faded all up. Um, and for now, I took a uh, basically a, a, a kit version of the marquee, which is different than the, the dedicated cabinet marquee, and um, cut it down and put it in. Kind of try to get the graphics to line up where I cut it. And I think I did a pretty good job with that. Um, actually, I did. I did a good job with it. Um, but it definitely, you know, it's a it's a darker material, so the light doesn't shine through it as well. And it's got the spot for our, the license sticker, so it's not right in the cabinet. So I'm really hoping that's another thing that Rich will reproduce, um, because my cabinet definitely would look a lot better with an actual original um, marquee in it. And I really don't want a faded one because that they just it looks terrible. Um, so that's pretty much it with the, the Mr. Do. So that's what I've been working on lately. Um, I've rearranged a lot of the basement. Um, I got uh, from uh, Steve, he uh, sold me a um, Make Touch bar top and I put that on, put that down in the basement and I moved the games around. Before the kind of the games were all at one side of the house, but by one side I mean like two thirds three quarters of the house in the basement um, so now it like goes like much more around the house more um, it goes all the way from up to down and around I can't I can't really describe it it's just it uses a lot of the basement where it didn't before um, but it's a little better fit um, I've been thinking about I've got these bookshelves with all my um, console game stuff on it and maybe I might rearrange that and stuff I don't know um, it's just there's so much space being used by those things that I can be kind of condense things down somewhat. Just not sure exactly the best way to do it. Um, let's see what else. Oh, so, you know, I got that bar top and I, I've kind of made a bar in the basement, um, which is just a, like a, basically like a cooking table that we had upstairs, like a tall uh, table, which really works well as a bar. Um, and I put a TV up. So I got three TVs three panel TVs up in my basement um, and let's see what else what, what else am I doing oh I've been playing a lot of uh, 
PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, which is a, a PC game on Steam, and it is just one of the most fun games I've played in a long time. Um, I haven't really played PC games in quite a while, even though I've got a PC that's quite capable of playing PC games. Um, I mean, it can use a new, a new graphics card. The one in there is not exactly the newest one, but it it's, handles pretty much everything I throw at it um, fine, as long as I'm not running ultra settings. Um, I've got a GeForce 650 Ti um, graphics card, so you can get an idea that it's kind of an older card. It's probably four years old. And I'm thinking about getting a newer one to put in it, which I I'm actually going to do that. I just haven't decided which one, which one to get because when it comes down to it, it's like I'm kind of a value guy when it comes to that stuff, and I have a hard time spending, you know, more than a couple hundred bucks for a graphics card because I know it's going to be cheap in a year or two. Um, they just don't hold value. It's not like uh, other things out there. So it's like, well, why don't I just wait a year and buy this graphics card? Well. Want to play this game now? You need to have the better graphics card. Well, you don't need to, but I mean, it would be nice um, to get a little bit of better frame rate in uh, in Player Knows Battlegrounds. Um, and speaking of that game, I'll just kind of do a quick, um, just basic how it works. It's it's really hard to explain Player Unknown's Battlegrounds as a game and exactly how it works. But I've kind of gotten a little bit better at explaining it, but I feel as though you don't really understand how it works unless you play it. Because you get a kind of a different impression, because I was hearing other people talk about the game. Um, I really kind of, my impression of it was a little bit different. So like, even, even if you don't buy the game, or if you want to check it out first before you buy it, just go on YouTube and watch some videos of the game, because it is really kind of cool. <coughs> so, um... The basic premise of the game, there's no, like, backstory to it. Um, you know, I mean, there probably is, but when you launch this game, it's still in early access. Um, there's zero story to it. You just start out with your character in kind of like this waiting area, which is an island, a small island um, somewhere in the ocean. And there, it's off the shore of a, a larger set of two islands. And... Um, it's kind of just a waiting area because while you can go go to this area when you're playing the game, it's not easy to access. So that said, it kind of got a little bit confusing. But basically, it's just a loading area where um, everybody goes when you're playing this game. So this is a um, multiplayer game. There's no non-player characters. Everybody in this game playing is a real person playing the game, and it's uh, it's a hundred people in a Battle Royale. That means you, it's you against 99 other people, and the last person standing is the winner. Um, so the way that works in this game is, so you're in, you, you come into this game. Now, there's other modes. I'm going to just talk about the basic single-player, multiplayer mode, whichever you want to call it. One versus 99. Um, and really, it's it's 100 versus 100. 100 versus whatever. You know, um, really hard to describe that, I find, at least. So, you start the game up, you, you come in this smaller island area, which has got a bunch of weapons on tables, where you can run up and grab them and kind of test the weapons out, and everybody loads in there, and when it gets close to 99 people and a certain amount of time has elapsed, because it doesn't, it doesn't always get 100 people, um, it might go at 95 or 98, or a smaller number, 
but it's almost always 100 people that are playing. Um, when it hits that point, um, the game loads and starts, and you're no longer on the island. So that you're not on that little small starting island, but now you're in an airplane, um, a large cargo plane that's flying over the island. Now this plane, because this is really important, the plane, when, it, when it's flying over the island, it doesn't go the same direction every single time. So basically, it's going on a random uh, vector over the island. It might come from the south and go to the north, you know, due north. It might come from the southwest and go to the northeast, or whatever direction it might go. It's always kind of like a random direction when you start out. And so when the plane starts off, it's kind of like off the map. You know, just you don't you can see the island if you're in in the view of the airplane, but if you hit the map button, you don't see the plane. You don't see your character on the map yet. Um, it takes like a few seconds before it actually comes into the map area, and then you can see the direction the plane's going. And so at that point, you need to decide where it is that you want to jump out of the airplane because you have that option. Once the plane gets a certain amount into its course, you get the um, say you know press F to uh, parachute. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. So at that point, you can jump out of the airplane by pressing F once that appears. But that may not be where you want to jump out. It's like there's a lot of strategy in this game. So depending on the course that the plane's taking over the island and the terrain underneath it, you know, where you might land, you might want to jump out right away. You might want to jump out halfway out or, or wait and it kicks you out once it gets to a certain point, like just before it leaves the map. It automatically kicks you off the plane so you can't stay on the airplane and not jump out so basically you can jump out early or it'll kick you out at the very end so once you jump out of the airplane now you're you're free falling and you can control the direction that you fall um, so you can I want to go you know up, uh, go this direction whatever you can free fall and there's different strategies which you want to do you can point your character straight down so you drop as fast as possible that's one strategy. You get down to the ground first, and you, that's, depending on the game you're playing and where the plane's going, you might want to just drop straight down directly underneath the airplane and be one of the first people on the ground. Another thing is to travel um, kind of like perpendicular to the path of the plane to kind of get you far away from everybody else as possible. Um, go as far away as you can and try to land in an area where you'll see a vehicle on the ground. Um, so, there's strategies and how to get as far away as possible. Um, I can tell you them. I'm just kind of kind of stay away from that because I don't want to make this too complex. But basically, you know, you free fall, and um, at some point in your free fall, say press F to open your parachute. So you can. It's pretty quickly into that. It's like maybe you know 10 seconds into your free fall, you can press F to depending on how fast you're falling to open your chute. Um, otherwise, if you don't open your chute when the when your character gets on, I guess it's like. 300 meters above the ground the chute will automatically open and that's relative to where to the to the altitude of which the ground is so if you if you're over the ocean it's going to open at 300 meters in altitude but if you're over a mountain and the mountain is 600 meters tall your chute's going to open at 900 meters basically from sea level so that's kind of like a strategy you have to keep in mind too is that if you try to kind of fly over a mountain 
that mountain is going to change your, your chute opening window. And so it might be better to go around the mountain because you can get a little bit of better distance away than to go directly over the mountain because you're not going to get as far as you'd like in that path. So it's something you need to keep in mind too. So now you've chosen where you're going to land. Um, and in part of that, one of the things you need, I'll kind of cover this, is when you land on the ground, you have nothing. Um, your chute falls off and you are just a guy with fists or a girl. And now you need to collect items to defend yourself or to attack others. Um, there's like the basic things of, you know, uh, you have melee weapons, you have rifles, you have shotguns, you have machine guns, um, you have sniper we weapons, you have um, accessories for the weapons like scopes and suppressors and um, compensators and flash hiders. Um, cheek pads, all kinds of things that you can add for it. There's the ammunition to go with the guns. Um, there's heal kits of all different kinds. There's like, you have the stand, you have like bandages, you have bandages, you have heal kits, you have med kits, you have um, painkillers and, and like, you have painkillers and energy drinks. And there's rules about what how you can use them and stuff. I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into that, but basically each thing has uh, different rules on how you can use it and how much they heal. Um, so you have your weapons, you have your, your life boosts, you have armor that you can collect. So there's, um, there's chest armor that you can get, which is basically um, has three levels. You have level one, level one, two, and three chest armor, um, which obviously level three being the best and level one being the worst, but better than nothing. Then you have helmets. You have level one, two, and three helmets. Um, you know, obviously the same thing's true. Level one helmet is the least protection. Level three is the most protection. Um, and the higher the level of these weapon, of these items, like the better guns, the better heal kits, the the better armor, are all going to be kind of in places that are um, populated or like a military base. You're going to find those more frequently. So. When that plane's flying over the island, there's going to be places where you're going to, if you want to get all the good stuff, you're going to jump there. But that means other people are going to jump there. So there's a higher risk than going in those places where there's the good stuff. And one thing I've kind of observed while playing the game is that the best stuff is in the high value areas that were underneath the path of the plane. If you jump out of the plane and you go to a high value at a location that was really far away you're less likely to get something good at least it's been my observation um, so I, I could be wrong on that one but it seems that's what happens it's not it's not completely random there's a little bit of like factors I mean the, the items are random drop but random dropped with different values of how strong like the further away from the path and the closer to a higher concentration area will increase the likelihood of a better item being found. So obviously you want to get the best items as possible um, in this game. And you know, so before I go into all that kind of strategy stuff, the other thing that happens, so now you've landed on this island, you've found some items to defend yourself, there's vehicles to be found to kind of move yourself around quicker. There's another mechanic to the game. Um, and this is where it gets a little confusing to people when I try to explain it. Um, so, once you land on the island, 
within about three minutes after landing, depending on how far you went and how long you were in the air, um, a white, if you bring up the map on screen, um, oh, and the island itself is like, I think five kilometers, so it's a pretty large island, not gigantic, um, but it's large to cover on foot. Um, if you bring up the map, after about three minutes into the game, you'll see a white circle that appears kind of in a random, with a random center point um, somewhere on the map. And this circle is quite large. It's maybe like, I don't know, three kilometers in diameter or something. You know, it's a good portion of the map where you'll see this uh, white ring circle appear over it. And then it will say restricting gameplay in five minutes or something like that. And uh, basically, from that point where you land up to that point where it says restricting gameplay, any place in the island is safe in terms of uh, environmental risk, not the um, not other players because they can obviously hurt you. But like you know, if there's no one so no one else around, you can just kind of hang out someplace and you will not get hurt. Um, but once that countdown starts, um, you'll a blue circle will start coming in from the edges of the map and it'll start contracting around that white circle uh, on the map. And um, basically, if you are outside of the blue circle, your character will take damage um, at a kind of like almost like they're being poisoned or, or um, you know, just whatever. Just a, it's a continuous zap of your life. So you obviously don't want to be inside that blue section of the map. Um, and it keeps moving in closer towards that white ring on the map until it finally meets it. So, so basically, here's what happens when you're playing the game. So you jump out of the airplane, you land on the ground, and you'll see three minutes in or so, a white circle appear. Um, and then it'll say, in another three minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, it's going to restrict gameplay. So if you're looking at the map, you'll just see that white circle, which does nothing to you. It's just like, this is where the blue circle will end after it's done contracting. So now you're looking at the map, and the gameplay starts. It says, now uh, restricting gameplay. And if you're just looking at the map the whole time, out of the from the outside of the map, where you can see, all of a sudden a blue circle will start moving inward. And it'll contract, and contract, and contract, until that blue circle lines up with the white circle that was on the map. And then, once that happens, and it meets it, within like a few seconds, a new white circle will appear within this new blue circle, and it'll be off of a random location inside that blue circle, um, at its center point. So it could be, you know, right in the center of the blue circle, or it could be to the left of the blue, you know, the left inside. It's always, the circle is always, they're always concentric circles. So that second smaller circle is going to be still inside that blue circle. And then a new countdown starts. So it says, you know, restricting gameplay in two minutes or whatever. And once that two minutes is expired, then the circle starts coming in again. So kind of like what you're, I, I, if you can imagine this when you're playing the game, um, if you're not looking at the map and that circle starts coming in, you'll see like basically it looks like a, a blue electric field coming towards you. Some people call it gas. But to me, you know, the fact, if it were gas, it would kind of billow. You know, I wouldn't call it gas because it would be kind of like this blue, it would be like just gas pouring, you know, if you've 
ever seen what that might look like. It's, you know, it looked like smoke kind of coming towards you. This looks like an electric field. You know, it looks like something that's basically like a force field or an electric field. Now, I wouldn't say it's a force field per se, though, like if you're trying to figure out what this kind of thing is, because they don't really say. Um, because it doesn't push you. The, the force field will just kind of, this field will just, just come over top of you. And it's like almost like radiation damage or something like that, or electric shocks or whatever. So your character is just continuously, you know, like at intervals, taking damage and chunks of your, your life go away. Um, the deeper you are into the blue, the more damage it takes. And later in the game, as the circles become smaller and smaller, um, being in the blue is extremely hazardous. Um, in, the, in that first constriction of the circle, it takes off like little slivers of your health. But like at the end of the game, one of the last few circles or so, um, as, the, as the, the playable area becomes smaller and smaller, it will kill you very quickly. Um, so you don't want to be caught in the blue then. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like part of the game. You have to be very careful about and you have to keep your strategy. So um, basically it brings everybody towards a center point on the map. So, you know, if you're playing a, a, a battle royale game like this, where it didn't have some kind of way of bringing everybody together, um, someone could just be camped out in some area and, like, under a bridge or hidden really well, and everybody wouldn't, you know, so you wouldn't be able to find this person who would play this game. You could be playing for hours trying to find this person. If this person was, like, running away from you the whole time, like, I'm going here, you know, like, just going kind of, let's say you're running clockwise around the map, and they're running ahead of you by a certain amount of, um, you'd never meet them. So, this is a method of keeping the gameplay to, I think it's about 25 minutes. It's definitely under a half hour. So every game match will last um, a maximum of like 25 minutes. It can be shorter because if everybody gets killed pretty quickly, the game can end um, faster than that. And if you get killed, you don't respawn. So, you know, you can have a game that lasts seconds if you just happen to be really unlucky. You land, someone else lands next to you and picks up a weapon instantly and shoots you. I've had a game like that. I was the first person killed. And that was uh, kind of that was kind of funny. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of strategy in the game. It's, and it's extremely addictive. Um, lots of fun to play. Um, I don't know. Am I still recording here? I kind of have a feeling that the recording is nope. The recording is still going on. Um, so there's an accident up ahead here. Let's see. Well, anyway, so it's it's a it's a really good game and. Um, it got me back into playing some games on the PC. It got me into Steam. I mean, I had, I'd been in Steam for a while now. Um, like I had a Street Fighter V. I got it on Steam and stuff, but I really wasn't playing that a whole heck of a lot. Um, but this game has really got me playing the PC a lot again. Um, the last time I played PC like this was quite a while ago. I think it was 2001, uh, back in the days of Battlefield 1942 and Planet Side. Um, I used to play with my buddy Jaime. We're playing this game now too, so it's uh, it's really just a very fun game to play. Um, obviously, there's that violence factor to it, but it's not, you know, in terms of like violent games. Obviously, you're killing people, but a lot of it is just survival. I mean, like, um, you know, you, you get you can get pretty high. Like, you don't necessarily even have to kill anybody to win the game. You could just basically hide. Or stay undercover and use strategy 
and that last person could die from the, the, the force field or whatever it might be, you know, um, or you could just kill that last person at the very end and get a number one. Um, so I need something to drink here. My throat's getting sore all this talk. So basically, I just want to say that if you have the opportunity to play this game, it's definitely worth playing it. Um, it really kind of takes me back to those times of just kind of playing these multiplayer games online that were fun to play. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I, I love it quite a bit. Um, I've kind of been, like, tweaking my, my PC setup because basically my PC was mainly set up to, um, to edit video. Um, so I've been changing the mouse out, changing how things are. So that's basically that. Um, back to arcade stuff. There's a lot of things that need to be done and fixed. I, I lament um, what I have um, because there's some games in my basement that I don't really play at all. And they kind of get in the way of everything else. And I, I, I really need to decide whether I want to keep them. Um, and here's kind of some of the things... That I have to deal with, and maybe you guys have the same thing as well. So, like one of the games I got is Area 51, and um, that game is actually a really good game. It's a it's a shooting game. Um, you shoot aliens, basically. Um, it's from the early 90s. Um, I used to play with my buddy Dan in the grocery store all the time. Like we'd be up at two in the morning in the grocery store playing Area 51. Um, back, it's, you know, kind of goes back to the days of Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. It's a little later than that, but it's that same, same kind of time frame. It's a full motion video. Um, so I, I got that game literally from the, the junkyard, not junkyard, the dump. Um, out by me, there's uh, basically like a transfer station where you take your garbage before it goes to the dump. And uh, I got to know the guy who was running it at the time. And I just kind of, because there's some stuff there, I said, you know, do you ever get arcade games? Just kind of being kind of just, just asking him kind of, off the cuff, just be like, do you ever get those kinds of things? They're just not really looking for something in particular. He's like, you know, it's like, I think he said he might have at one point or something. And I said, well, you know, if you do, I can give my number, you know, call me if you get something because you hate for it to go to waste because I fix them. And it's just kind of funny because it was like, I mean, like a month later, not even that, then he calls me up and he says, I got two games here. You want to come get them? And so I go down to the uh, transfer station and I go pick them up. And uh, one's in this Area 51, and the other one is in Mortal Kombat 4. And uh, the Area 51 kind of worked. It had power supply issues. So basically, to get it to work, I needed to place the power supply in it. Kind of got it to work without doing that at first. But um, the, it wasn't, basically, the power supply was no longer strong enough to spin the hard drive on. So I just kind of ran the hard drive off of a separate power supply that I had, and it worked fine like that. But um, I ended up swapping out, well, the hard drive's still in it, but I ended up swapping the hard drive for a compact flash card, which used a lot less power. I replaced the power supply. And other than that, it's, it's good, although I need to recap the monitor on it because you know, when you first start it up, it's the, photo, the image is really washed out. It needs to be recapped. And I've got a cap can. I haven't done that. So that's one game that I have, and this is where I start lamenting is because one, my shoulders aren't all that great, so it's really difficult to play this game now, um, to hold my arm out in a shooting position. So it doesn't feel that great. Um, and, 
you know, it's really fun to play with somebody else, and just playing it by yourself, it gets boring, you know, not as boring as, let's say, playing Terminator 2, the arcade game, um, but it's just like, I think I've played it like five times since I've had it, and I've had it for years now, so, so do I keep it, or do I, you know, sell it, or trade it, and the thing is, is I have a lot of fond memories of it, and it's like, well, do I keep it for the stupid nostalgia, do I keep it because I might actually play it? And the other thing is it needs to have a cap kit in it, and I won't get the, the full value of what the game is worth if I trade or sell it with a monitor that needs to be capped. That's just finding the time to do it. And the thing is, is I have a lot of games like this. And so they all are this huge like inventory of stuff I need to do. And if I had like unlimited time and I didn't have to, you know do my family stuff, mow my lawn, fix my house, you know, care for the kids, go to work. It wouldn't be a big deal. I would just do those things. It would be easy. But I may have had these things for years and I haven't capped it. I've had the cap kit. So that's one game that I, that's one game of these. The other one was that Mortal Kombat 4. That one's not terrible. Um, the monitor could use a cap kit in it. But other than that, other than that it works fine. So that doesn't really need anything. Another game I've got, and I literally bought this game for the monitor in it. I was going to take the monitor and put it in another game. Um, there was a local guy. I was looking for a monitor. I got it off of him. I asked him if he had any monitors. He said, no, but I've got this. And you can take the monitor out of it. There's this game called Radical Bikers. And it looks stupid, but it's actually kind of fun. And I, I, got, I, I started playing the game. My kids liked it. Now, I bought this game for the monitor, and guess what? Shortly after I get it, it goes into shutdown. So, um, I've been tweaking it a few times here and there. I got it to work, but it just goes into shutdown every every so often. And I really need to uh, probably put a new fly back in it. So, there's another monitor that needs to be fixed. Um, then my, my Neo Geo, the monitor, needs to be redone. Now, that one, I'm, I definitely want to keep that cabinet. Um, and then my Naomi uh, cabinet, uh, Sega Naomi. The, which runs a bunch of different games. Obviously, it's, a, it's Dreamcast-based hardware. Um, it has a, I have a VGA monitor in it right now, and uh, that stopped working, so that needs to be fixed. Now, that one is a lot more complex of a monitor. I don't know if it's easily fixable, um, so that one's definitely an issue. Um, I have another one of those monitors that I'm using in my Xbox cabinet, and... Uh, that one has geometry issues with it, so, um, like, I really should need to recap both of them, but I don't really have a cap kit for it. These have, like, hundreds of cap capacitors in them. I'm probably more like 50 capacitors in them, and so I'd have to look every cap up and order them for this to fix it. So it's not something I'm relishing doing to get those working, and it probably, it might not be the capacitor at all. It could be, it could be the horizontal, horizontal output transistor, it could be the flyback, it could be diodes, it could be whatever, I don't know why it's not working right now, it just turned on and it didn't work, um, so that one's not working either, um, let's see what else is there, I think that's the main ones that aren't working, if I can recall correctly, I have another game that a friend gave me, which has a monitor that doesn't work, and there's no board in it, it's another, um, another Dynamo HS5, and that one's not really causing me any kind of agita right now or anything like that, because there's nothing in it. 
I mean, just taking up space. But I don't feel like, oh, I got to get to work on this one. You know, I need to get this one fixed so I can get rid of it. Because one thing is, I kind of want to keep that cabinet. Um, whereas the other ones, I'm kind of like, well, that radical bikers. Do I want to keep it? What do I want to do with it? You know, it takes up a lot of space. It's big. I'm getting close to home now, so I kind of try to wrap this up right now. So, so basically, there's this kind of general agita <laughs> to say. Um, that I'm having because I have games. I have too many things that need to be fixed, and I've got I've got two pinball machines that are rough shape that need to be cleaned up and run through and fixed. And then I've got another pinball machine that's running that needs to be kind of cleaned up. It's not as bad, but it needs to kind of be rebuilt here and there. It needs things done to it. And pinball machines are a lot of fucking work. Oops, excuse my language, but they're a lot of work. So I'm not looking forward to getting into those things. Um, it's funny because I, I don't mind working on it. It's just there's so many other things in my life that it that it feels like not fun anymore. So um, if I had less, I would enjoy more. But I don't want to get rid of them because either I like the game or I don't want to sell it for less than what I could get for it. I kind of need to let that go. Because that's my time, and it's it's literally become like almost like writer's block in a way. Um, it's preventing me from doing the things that I really need to do. So, all right. So I don't know what you guys do if you have those kind of problems. I'm gonna end these pod these. I'm gonna end this podcast cast now, and I don't know when or if I'm gonna do another one. But I'm sure I'll probably do another one someday. Um, maybe soon. I don't know. Um, as long as I can remember my login information for the internet archive to upload this mp3 file so if you're hearing this it means i figured it out um, okay guys uh have a wonderful day or evening or whatever time you're listening to this thank you for listening and sorry for wasting your time if you didn't enjoy it um, just don't listen next time because this is completely without any effort being created so it's literally my drive home um, the most effort goes in uploading the file so Have a great day, and I'll talk to you again.